Let's, uh, Father God, we again, we just come to you and ask that you would anoint the word this morning as we look at the uh, precepts of a virtuous wife, my God, a virtuous woman. And we thank you, Lord, that as I look around this church, we have been blessed with an abundance of virtue. And we just thank you this morning, Lord. Bless this word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let me open up with something here. We all probably have had one, played with one, a magnet. Yes? Everybody know, everybody know what a magnet is? Matter of fact, uh, some of us will age ourselves that we had that little tablet of a guy that kind of looked like Rob Quinn, bald as a cucumber, right? And you take the little magnet and move the iron filings around, and when you're done, it kind of looked like Sal, a little grub here and there. You know, we'd put a mustache on it, put a hair on it. But it's really cool that iron... Fe on the periodic table has specific properties. It's you know so many protons, neutrons, electrons, but it has metals. And whether it's silver, tin, gold, aluminum, whatever, that magnet can still take and attract those things and move them to where they want to be moved. And even to take it further, each of those substances have unique properties. But if you take something like brass, it's a mixture of metals. But guess what? The magnet can take something that's even kind of a mixture of things and move them along. So it has a very significant function, if you will, to draw things unto itself in the family of metals. And as I thought about this quality of the magnet, it made me think about a wonderful quality that moms have. They seem to be the ones that can attract all members of the family, whether they have individual qualities or a combination of qualities. They are the ones that kind of draw the members of the family together, and not only draw them, but I also see them as the glue that holds the family together. Moms, you're the ones. Amen? You're the ones that draw us as a family, and you hold us together. Amen? And family, I truly believe that a godly woman, a godly mom is the one who's at the center of the family and is the one that holds us together. Yes? We know from Scripture that the man is supposed to be the federal head, and he's supposed to be the one, the spiritual leader in the home. And that's absolutely true. And we should not renege that responsibility. But it, doesn't, it seems to be the mom, his wonderful helpmate, who tends to be the center of attraction that really holds the family together. Though the, the man is supposed to be the federal head, and we ought to be the spiritual leaders and set the guidelines, it's mom who holds it all together. We are the brains, they are the heart, if you will. Amen? And I don't mean it that way, it's saying anything, but you're the heart. And I say, I have down here for as the husband is the head, so the wife, the mom, is the heart of the family. She's the pulse of the family. And maybe uh, my perspective is skewed, but I've been spoiled. My mom was wonderful, wonderful. She put up with so much, if I had a year to tell you, right? But it was great. She had four crazy boys. And she held us all together. And all the times that we did thus and such and this and that because we weren't saved, she was the one there for us. And she was always hiding it from Dad so we wouldn't get killed. All right? But Christmas Eve, let me tell you, just a little bit, she'd make like 21 courses. And my step-grandfather was Jewish, so she made sure she made kasha, and she had stuffed peppers, and then she made the shrimp scampi, the lobsters and spaghetti, the boop, everything we ate like... But she just held the family together. We looked forward to it. So I was spoiled, but I'm also spoiled because I've been blessed with a godly wife who holds, I know holds our family together. All my children, and Thomas is here, they don't come to me. Who do they go to? 
They go to mom to talk to her and get wisdom and insight. And she's got great wisdom and insight. You know me, I'll fly off the handle and da -da -da -da, bark at them, leave me alone. But Teresa's always there for him. So I've been spoiled with a godly mom and a godly wife. And it's enough said. Let's see what the Bible has to say this morning. Amen? Let's see what the Bible So we're going to look at a passage of Scripture. And I was laughing again. I think Mike has like a microphone or a camera in my room of my study because even on Wednesday night he'll talk about something that's in the sermon. So yesterday he posts something on Proverbs 31. And guess what it's on? Our sermon's on this morning. Proverbs 31. And I guess it's coincidence. It's one of those uh, every year Mother's Day sermons, if you will, that you can go to. So we're going to be looking at Proverbs 31. All right. But listen, we're not going to go line by line. We're going to glean some concepts out of it. All righty. So we're not going to be going line by line this morning. So look at verse 10. Look at verse 10 in Proverbs 31. And we're going to kind of look at how the Lord sees a, a woman from his perspective and not how we should be tainted to see it from the world's perspective. Of course, they are vastly different. Do you hear me? All right, look at verse 10. It says, who can find a virtuous wife? Someone having outstanding qualities, for her worth is far more than rubies. And let me begin by saying this. When God brings this type of woman, a virtuous woman, who we're speaking of this morning, see it as it is. It's a true blessing from God. When the Lord brings a godly woman into a man's life, it is a blessing from God. Do you hear me? Because a God-fearing woman who lives her life via a biblical perspective is a rare find. You guys are rare. Think of the population of our country, right? And how many women are living a godly and Christian life. She's worth more than any value jewels because of the blessings, men, that she'll bring to our lives. There's nothing that can compare to having your helpmate by your side, walking in that ikad love, if you will, that covenant love, and going through life. Because no matter what comes, she's going to be right by your side. So she's a blessing, amen? And the writer of Proverbs here says that is more valuable than rubies. Listen to Proverbs 18.22 for a second. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. When you find a virtuous, godly woman, we find favor from the Lord because it's such a blessing to have your helpmate by your side as you journey through life, as she's there for your children, as she's there for you. Amen? And then he goes on and says she's more valuable than rubies. And I brought this out before. The term here, the Hebrew term for rubies, really means the pink pearl. And it was rare. You had to search through the, the sea to find this pink pearl that would be in a mollusk, in a, in a shell. And listen, it was very rare, and because it was very rare, it was very valuable. So when they found one of these pink pearls, it was of great value. So Paul makes a, an analogy here. He said, when you find a virtuous woman, a woman who fears and loves God, it's as valuable as that pearl because they're very rare to find. Amen? Amen? Listen to Matthew 13, 45 and 46. Now, this is speaking to the kingdom of God, but we're going to make application here. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. So it's talking about the kingdom of heaven, that when we come to understand this, the gospel, it's more valuable than anything. But speaking of the pearl here, as I just said, when he, um, the writer of Proverbs says that 
a virtuous woman is like one of these fine pearls. It's a rare find, and we should value it when we are married or involved with a woman of, of virtue, a wife of virtue, amen? It's a wonderful find. It's a, it says it's a great value. He went away and sold everything and bought it. Nothing could be as important in life after our salvation relationship with Christ than finding a godly spouse. That's the second most important decision we can make in our life, amen? And for a moment, I want to go back to Genesis and look at this idea of how Adam, Adam was waiting for that one that was like him. So Genesis 2, 18 to 24. It's the first book after the cover, all right? Genesis 2, 18 to 24. And it says, The Lord God said, It's not good for man to be alone. Listen, we were made for relationship. Do you hear me? Human beings are made for relationship. It's an attribute of the Godhead. There was fellowship in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There was relationship. We are made in God's image. We're made for relationship. Amen? So it goes on and says this. I will make a helper suitable for him, one that will complement him and help him fulfill what God called Adam to do, to multiply and fill the earth. Well, he couldn't do that by himself. All right? Now, the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whenever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Hey, two goats, two giraffes, what about me, right? There's Adam, nobody's suitable for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of man, and he brought it to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. I believe he did one of these. Wow! Jumping Jehoshaphat. Look at that. Finally, one for me. One that looks like me, made in the same kind of image. Praise God. Hallelujah. But she didn't have a mustache. All right. That is why the man leaves his father and mother, is united to his wife, and become one flesh. So look, here's Adam, right? He's naming all the animals. All right, I got two sheep, two donkeys. He's going around. None of these look like me. None of walking on two legs look like me. So the Lord developed a holy curiosity in him. Like, hey, a holy yearning, if you will, for someone to be like him. And then he sees Eve, and his curiosity is finished. It's like, wow, here God has for me to help us, what, subdue the earth and multiply it? And he's ecstatic. And Adam cherishes her. And they become one flesh, a covenant relationship between the man and the woman. It's a covenant relationship by God. What I want you to see is the Lord creates a holy desire in Adam. And then gives Adam a gift of a godly woman, a helpmate. And Adam cherishes her above everything else besides his relationship with the Lord. And he takes him to be his wife in that wonderful bond of marriage, that covenant of marriage to fulfill God's plan for them. Amen? And gentlemen, what I'm trying to bring out here is that when the Lord brings you the gift of a virtuous woman, receive it as it is. It's a blessing from God to have a virtuous wife. Amen? Listen to Proverbs 19.14. Houses and wealth are inherited from parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. It's a blessing that God will bring that kind of woman into your pathway. Don't settle. Young adults... Young ladies, 
Don't settle for what the world will say is what a woman is supposed to be. The made-up airbrushed magazines or the chasing to be, I am woman, hear me roar, I got to be the top and the best in this. No, be the kind of woman that God is desiring you to be. A woman that loves him, loves their children, and bring godly principles and values into their home. Thank you, Brother Rich. God bless you. So don't go by what the world is out there telling you to be because it's a lie. It's Satan's lie. It will only be, bring destruction and you will never be at peace because you're not fulfilling what God has for you, the role that he has for you. Amen? Instead, look to be a woman we are about to describe. And ladies, if you want to attract a man or enhance your relationship with the one you're with, develop the characteristics we're about to look at. Do you hear me? If you really want to attract a godly man, ladies, or a godly woman, Tom, look for the type of woman we're going to talk about here. And let's just get an idea. First of all, when he says uh, a virtuous woman, what this means. It literally means who can find a woman of strength. And this term virtuous in the original language means strength, efficiency, ability. And what I'd like to do is take an, as an aside here and kind of look at this word and how it's used elsewhere in Scripture. Remember when Moses, he's just, oi, three million people, what am I supposed to do, right? And so the Lord comes and says to him, take some and delegate some of this responsibility. Get other men to help you, you know, decide the little cases and the hard ones, let them bring to you. But listen, when Moses' father-in-law was talking to him, it says, Moses' father-in-law gives him advice. In, in 1821, look what it says, uh, Exodus 18:21. Moreover, you shall select from the people able men, virtuous men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness. In light of this verse, we can say that the virtuous man that Moses is looking for is one who fears God, loves the truth, and hates sin. Moses was to look for them. And when we look into Scripture, it's saying you're going to have to look diligently because they're rare and hard to find. Someone who's going to have these qualities. And it's the same idea. In the same way, a virtuous wife is hard to find. But when searching, look for a woman who fears God. First and foremost, that's on fire or fears God. One whose relationship with the Lord is of the highest importance. Do you hear me? Let them have that same zeal. Thomas, as you look for a wife or, or go on in the future, find one that has the same zeal for God that you do. Amen? One who lives by the truth, the truth of God's holy scriptures, its principles and commandments, and one who hates sin. One who hates sin in her own life and wants to become more like Christ. They're not going to walk in the ways of the world and just accept the things of the world and say, oh, that's the world we live in but we'll see things from God's perspective. And you know, throughout, you start to spend time with somebody and have a conversation, you'll see where their hearts and minds are at because it will evidence itself in our speech. I brought that out last week. Your maturity will be seen in how you speak, amen? So that's the kind of, loves his word, hates sin, amen? And to some degree, this envelops or gives a general view of a virtuous woman. And ladies, let me ask you, is that the kind of woman that you want to be? One who fears God, hates sin, and loves the Lord above all other things. You've got to ask in your heart if that's what you desire. Or do you want to be like what's out there, which is going to leave you lost? All right, and listen, it's possible. You know why it's possible to be the kind of woman that God's called you to be? Because you can. And you know how? You're born again. 
You're born of his Holy Spirit. Therefore, you can do everything that Christ asked you to do, everything that God asked you to do in your word as a woman, a wife, and a mom, because you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, and you are capable to do that. Come under his authority and love him because you do it as unto the Lord. Amen? You have the ability. Now, I pray you're not married to Attila, but you can endure. Listen carefully. It has to be your choice to obey the Lord, to do what he's called you to do. Just like as a father or a husband, it's our choice to do that. Now, stress very strongly. It has to be your priority to want to do so and not chase after the priorities of the world of what a successful woman is supposed to be. Amen? If you desire to be that type of woman or wife or mom that the Lord desires, then it has to begin with your relationship with him because you cannot do it in your own strength. It will take the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome all the temptations and all the things we see out in the world to be the kind of woman that God wants you to be. And listen, you may be sitting here and saying, how in the jumping Jehoshaphat am I going to do that? How could I ever measure up to such a standing? Well, I think of my shortcomings in my family and, and how I am at times. How am I supposed to be this kind of woman that God wants? He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for a humble and contrite heart that desires consistency in the type of woman you want to be, in the type of mom you want to be, in the type of wife you want to be. We're not perfect. We all blow it. And when we blow it, we go to the Lord, we ask forgiveness. We go to a family member, we ask forgiveness and reestablish the relationship. We're not perfect. We'll blow it. But we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And if we apply the principles in our home, then husbands, if your wife blows it and she comes to you and asks forgiveness, what do you do? You forgive as unto the Lord. Because man alive, we blow it a lot more than them. Huh? You ain't kidding. And then look for one who wants to honor the Lord, who wants to be a helpmate to their husband, and wants to be a godly influence over their children. And not only the children, but people around them. Amen? It's, listen... It's a heart issue. All the things you can deet, 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 but if your heart is not in it, it means nothing. It's just fabrication and works. All right? And gentlemen, shame on us if we're looking for perfection because you want to point fingers at someone who has a lot of shortcomings, go in the mirror and do this, and you'll see someone with a lot of shortcomings. Amen? Especially shortcomings here. But <laughs> listen, instead... Look at your wife as a new creation in Christ. How can you help God in your marriage to help mold her into the kind of woman that God wants her to be? How can you help her in your prayer life by praying for your wife? How can you help her when you, you may read the word together, right? Or build her up instead of tear her down. Thank her. And if you read that book, The Five Love Languages, see what her love language is. My wife likes things of works, so what do I do? I do things around the house because I know it pleases her. Other women may have other things. So, you know, and so what you want to do is find those areas that please your wife and do it. Build her up. She's your helpmate. You're, you're in covenant relationship with her. So build her up. Be part of God's plan to help her become the woman, wife, and mother of God that he desires. That's why we're there. We're the spiritual leaders in our house. Amen? Oh, boy, I might, I might be cutting some. And listen, um, let me go on here. I totally lost my place. But the man of God will love his wife as Christ loved the church. That's what we are called to do. Do you know what that means? Love your wife as Christ loved the church? Look at what Jesus did. He stepped off the throne of heaven, put on this, 
was tempted in every way, put up with 12 knuckleheads, ministered to thousands, and then went the way of Calvary. That's how much he loved his bride, the church. And he's saying, men, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's a challenge, guys. When we say, and one would say, well, it says, wives, submit to your husbands. If you think that's difficult, try loving your wife as Christ loved the church. It's a completely sacrificial love. It's a challenge, but that's what we're called to do. If you want your wife to come under your authority, then give her the peace and reason to do so because you'll know that this man loves me so much that if I come under his authority, he only wants the best for me and has the best for me. Men, treat him that way. Treat him that way, amen? And this actually leads me into looking at verses 11 and 12. Let's read them together. Proverbs 11 and 12. Proverbs 31, 11 and 12. The heart of a husband safely trusts her, so he have no lack of gain. She does him good, not evil, all the days of his life. Listen carefully. The word here tells us that the heart of a husband safely trusts her. And please get this again. It's not a mental assent that you're getting into a relationship. It's the absolute understanding that I can trust this woman with everything. It's not a mental assent. It's a truth of your heart that you can trust her with everything. Amen? What the writers bring out here goes beyond mental assent and reaches into the center of emotions where the husband can be completely secure in trusting his wife, not only in her fidelity, but in her everyday things, in caring for the household, in caring for the children, in using of the finances, that there's an absolute trust in your wife, that she is your helpmate for the best of you and your family. In the same way, wife, that your husband has the best in mind for you and the children. Amen? He does not need to concern himself about any of these things, fidelity, integrity, discretion, use of finances. And again, ladies, we know that the husband is supposed to be the federal head, but I really believe that you have a great influence over the family, and you can either help build up or you can help tear down your household. Do you hear me? Listen to Proverbs 14.1. The wise woman builds her house, but her own hands, the foolish one, tears it down. So a wise woman, the virtuous woman, is going to help to build up her house. She's going to build up her husband. She's going to oversee her children. But the foolish one will tear her husband down. The foolish one will go out and do things that are going to do the house and not tear her down. In Proverbs 12:4, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who causes him shame is like rottenness to his bones. Let me explain this a little bit. A husband who is blessed with a godly wife is as joyous as if he were on the throne. And all I can think of is Jackie Gleason. I'm the king of my castle. But no, seriously. It's like you're on the throne because you're just at peace in your home. Amen? A virtuous woman that is active for good in the welfare of her family and applies the principles of Scripture to her roles owns her husband for her head because he's going to want the best for her because she knows she wants the best for him. She's like a crown to him. She's both an asset to him and the family and is also an honor to him. Men, are you proud when you walk in the room with your wife? I am, and I'm not blowing smoke. I'm so proud. You know, there's times when uh, I'm with my wife, and I'm like, who am I to be with this, this woman? I'm not kidding. I'm a beautiful girl, and she's just one. Listen to First Peter 3, 1 to 5a. It says, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity 
and the reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyle and the wearing of gold, jewelry, or fine clothes. And I'm going to stop there for a moment. If the bar needs painting, please paint it. But um, rather, it should be of that inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God adorn themselves. Listen, you can put all the makeup on, and you can dress all up, and you can look good, but there's going to come a point after so much time that if it's not the inner beauty, that's what's going to draw your husband. The peaceful and inner beauty, the gentle spirit of a woman, the virtuous spirit of a woman. After time, look, physical beauty fades. When my wife first met me, holy Lord, I had 18 and a half inch arms, 24 inch legs. I was built like a brick house. Now look. <laughs> but no, inner Outer beauty fades. It's the inner beauty that we look for. A woman may not be the most attractive, but let me tell you, if she has that inner beauty, it will attract you to her. And you'll be so blessed because outer beauty fades. And after a while, if, if your home and your home is volatile and everything else, I don't care how beautiful they are. It's not going to matter if you can't be at peace with the one you love. Amen? I'm all over the place. And according to the scripture, listen, the opposite's also true. Because one who'd been rottenness in her husband's bones. Who wants to come home if it's just a miserable situation to be in? Amen? She's like an incurable disease and it causes her husband to feel weak, defeated, and can result in the crumbling of the household. Just listen to what we said in Proverbs 14.1. And I put something down here. Back in the day, there was this girl, Lauren. She was beautiful, 5'10", long blonde hair. But boy, she had no discretion. And you know what? After a while, it's like, ugh. You just, the guy, guys would shear away from her because she was just, it, it says it in Proverbs, listen to this, as a ring of gold and a, a swine snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. I don't care how pretty a woman is, if they don't have that inner beauty, if they don't have that virtues of God, after a while that beauty fades and you don't even want to be with them because they're kind of embarrassing. Yes? I'm, am I preaching out here or what? All right. <laughs> Let me just give you a couple of examples. Anybody remember King Solomon? Son of David? The dude met with God twice, spoke to God face-to-face -face twice. God granted him wisdom. The only other person that had more wisdom than Solomon is the Lord Jesus Christ. Had all this wisdom. And guess what? He wrote Ecclesiastes because he blew it. All right, listen. Listen to first, go there. First Kings 11, 1 to 6. First Kings 11, 1 to 6. Guys are quiet out there. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them. Don't be unequally yoked, because they will surely turn your hearts after other gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives, God bless that man, of royal birth and 300 concubines. And his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wife turned his hearts after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. He allowed Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as his father David had done. Oh, what an influence a woman can be in her household. Ladies, singles, be the woman of God that God wants you to be. Young men, Look for the woman of God. 
that God has out there for you. And now if you are married, be those ones who are on fire for God and then help steer your husband to a deeper relationship with the Lord. Don't turn them astray to the things of this world. Turn them to the house of the Lord, amen, and a relationship with Christ. Be the one in his helpmate that you're girding up your home in the things of God and not the things of the world. Things of the world will fade away, but not the things of the Lord, amen. They're eternal. They are eternal. Let me give you another uh, scripture here. 2 Kings 8, 16 to 18. It says, In the fifth year of Joram, son of Ahab, king of Israel, when Jehoshaphat was king of Judah, Jehoram, son of Jehoshaphat, began his reign as king of Judah. He was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem eight years. He followed the ways of the king of Israel as the house of Ahab had done. Now, how could he have done that? Why? He married the daughter of Ahab. So here's this miserable apostate king and his wife Jezebel and the king of Judah marries this guy's daughter. Where do you think she's going to lead him? Let him astray. You hear me? Let him astray. And, and it, it says that. He was influenced. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord and was led astray. Think about it. The influence that you ladies can have to draw your husband closer to Christ or to pull him away. But you have a great influence in your home and not only with your husband but to your children also, to be supportive of the Christ-like things in your home. Amen? Bottom line, the point I'm trying to make is that you guys can have a tremendous influence to build your families up in the things of God or tear them down. You can purpose to be a helpmate and woman of God that the Lord desires to support of your husband and the physical and spiritual welfare of your family. Or you can choose the ideologies and the principles of this families no longer the traditional families. We're in chaos because men and women have not held to the traditional family roles that God has given to them. Amen? All right. Apply God's principles of womanhood. Apply God's principles of wifehood. Apply God's principles of motherhood. And the man of God who has you will hold you in his arms and be at rest because he knows that he's got a helpmate next to him for his welfare and the welfare of his family. And not only of his family, but the welfare of others around us. Ladies, you not only minister to your families, but you minister to others in our church. And I am thankful. Amen? All right, let's look at one last point this morning. And we've discussed the qualities of a virtuous woman. We've seen how she can be an asset and a crown to her husband. But let's finish up with verse 27 and 28 of Proverbs 31. Go to verse 27 and 28. She watches over the ways of her household and did not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Family, listen. Ever see an eagle? Right? Here's their nest, high. And when the eagle soars out, the mother eagle soars out, looking for fooling her daily chores, she's always got her eyes on her nest, protecting her family, protecting her little ones, her eaglets. Yes? All right? Listen, this is good. When the writer says that a virtuous woman keeps watch over a household, the original means to spy out. The woman spies out to make sure that everything's okay in her home. It's the same idea that you ever read in the Old Testament of the watchman on the tower, that the watchman is looking out for the protection of the city. Listen to 2 Kings 9.17. It's when the lookout... Standing on the tower in Jezreel, saw Jehu's troops approaching. He called out, I see some troops are coming. Get a horseman, Joram added. Send them to meet and ask, do you come in peace? 
So we see this guy who's standing. That's his job, to stand on the watchtower and see what's going on, who's approaching the city. Because he's really the first one, protector, that if anything funky's going on out there, he's going to let the troops and the king know. Right? And listen to Ezekiel 3.17. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give warning for me. Again, we see this watchman is to keep his eye out for the Lord and give warning. And in 33.7 in Ezekiel, it says this, Son of man, I've made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give warning for me. And I believe I know we, um, you know where I'm going with this. A godly woman watches over her household. She makes sure that nothing's going to come in and harm her family. And I hate to tell you, kids, but she's the one who'll be the one that says, uh, oh, you're going over your friend's house? What's the number? I want to check out, make sure everything's kosher. Because Teresa's done that in, in, throughout our marriage. And it's interesting that the kids will come and they give her the information because they can trust her. Amen? So she's the one keeping watch. And let this, kids, let this not be seen as an intrusion. When mom's watching out for you, even after you get older, because you know what? We've been around the block and we have some wisdom, yes? We know some of the things that are out there. And let me tell you, last year, 60,000 opioid deaths, overdoses. We are to watch over our families. We are to protect our families. So when mom says no vaping or mom says, hey, watch, no drinking, no driving, that kind of thing, because they're caring for their family, protecting them from what the world will say is okay. And listen, if they legalize marijuana, please stay away from it. When I was in school, they classified as a hallucinogen. I don't care. And even beer and alcohol and stuff. Be careful. Even though I can't stand up here and say you shouldn't drink at all, but be careful because you never know at the point where you tip the scale and then you could be in trouble. Amen? You don't want to get a DUI. Jasmine, if you ever got I know you don't, but if you ever got something like that, say goodbye to your license your professional license. So moms are out there and they give warning. But can I also say, please don't be a helicopter mom because you know what's going to happen? Your kids won't trust coming to you and talking to you because you feel they're going to put the old, what pastors used to say, the old grinder on you. Let them feel free to come and then talk to them with godly wisdom. But don't be a helicopter mom either. So there's that fine balance. Talking to them, kind of watching over, but also you know, sharing with them and counseling them but not being on them like a hammer. Amen? Ooh, all right. And husbands, we're not off the hooks either. Thank God for godly women. Their in intuition, they protect us all from getting into a mess. Amen. Don't they? Come on, right? So they watch over and see if we're kind of going askew. They'll tell us, hey, even what was it, yesterday? We were on the parkway, and uh, I was on the Northern State, and short runways, man, short runways getting on the parkway. And so this guy, I had to stop, which I hate doing. The guy stopped behind me. So as there was an open, he starts pulling out first. I pull out, and he's like, Argh! and he's like, don't get upset. No road rage. Take it easy. And I did. All right, but no, thank God they're there for us. Amen? Husbands, listen to the counsel of your wives. God's given them like a sixth sense to counsel us. And listen, I'm not talking about ragging and nagging. Because after a while, you know what happens when someone's ragging and nagging on you? And, and, and you start putting your figures in your ears and you don't hear them anymore. Because it's like drip, drip, drip. Because that's exactly what problem is. It's like a dripping faucet or a leaky roof. And after a while, it can drive you mad. Chinese water torture. They used to tie people down and let water drip on the head and they actually went crazy. So you can drive your husband crazy with ragging and nagging. So be careful. You know, come with him with counsel and love. Honey. Let's sit and talk about this. Let's discuss it. Not 
<laughs> Come on now. Come on. We're all married. Those of us who are, we know. And listen, when these same qualities to watch over home carries over all areas of life, Proverbs tells us that she's not idle, which can be translated she's not lazy. She's caring for the welfare of a family. She's not idle. Listen to Proverbs 6, 6 to 11. It says this, Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its way and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provision in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. And what the writer of Proverbs is telling us here is that a virtuous woman is like an ant who's diligent. She's diligent in the use of her time and talents for the welfare of a family, whether it's going out to work and helping in the home or uh, bring finances into the home or at the home. She's diligent. She's not a sluggard. She's not lazy, laying around the house eating bonbons and watching the general hospital. You know what I mean? So she's not a sluggard. She's not idle, but she's industrious. She's busy with the concerns of a home, and she's not a busy body. Instead, she's in 28. With this, her children will rise up and call her blessed, her husband also. And he praises her. And why? Because the family knows and understands the blessing of a virtuous mother, the blessings of a virtuous wife. We know. And if you have an alternate experience, you'll understand also if your mom wasn't that kind of woman or your wife isn't that kind of woman. We know. Is she perfect? No. Is she still in the molding process just as we are? Yes. And we're looking for a consistency, not a perfection. Amen? And ladies, you may seem overwhelmed, but you know you can be all that God's called you to be if you choose to submit yourself to the Word of God and do what He says because He's empowered you through the Holy Spirit. And the first step to do it is put your faith in Christ. If your faith is in Christ, then you can be the person the employee, the husband, the wife, whatever that God's called you to be because he's empowered you to do so. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. And second, you can overcome whatever comes your way through the power of the Holy Spirit. There's no temptation that sees you that's not common to man or common to woman. We can overcome the temptations. We can overcome the want to be aggressive or the anger or things that come up in marriage. We can overcome those through the power of God. Amen? And you're filled with the Spirit of God, so what has God done? He's placed the fruit of His Spirit within your heart so you can have that sacrificial love, so you can be kind and gentle, so you can be patient, so you can have that self-control. You can do that because Christ has put those fruits in your heart, and through the power of the Spirit, you can let them be evident. Amen? So you can do it. Men, we can do it when we get to Father's Day in our role. And I want to end this morning with this. I've been in the neighborhood 30 years. And throughout the years, and especially this morning, even though we're few in number, I can look out at this congregation and know that not only I, but the men here are blessed. Themis, thank you. When I was a young Christian, I see the relationship that Joe and Themis have, Mike and Marilyn, others that I look out. I can name every one of you guys. But see the relationships and the godly and virtuous woman that we have as wives and moms in our church. We're blessed you know that church? We're blessed. I believe in my heart, heart of hearts, that each one of you ladies out there could step into these pages of Scripture and be the kind of woman I described this morning. So I want to thank you, to all, say thank you to all ladies for being the type of mom, 
wives and women that God has called you to be. Thank you for being a watchman, not only for your families, but also for our church. There have been times, right, Miss Joni, you come and say, we need to do da 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 and, and we listen. We listen. Because you guys are not only watchmen over your own families, you're watchmen over our church, you're watchmen over our children in VBS, in children's church, in kinder church. So we thank you this morning for being a watchman, not only your homes, but over our church, that Christ be exalted and Christ be glorified in your homes and in this church. Amen? So again, I and the men of this church want to thank you and then pray for you for the continued strength to be a woman of God and the wife and mom that God has called you to be. So what I'm going to ask is, husbands, that you would get with your wives, children, you would lay hands on your moms, and if there are any singles here, that you would just join together. And uh, we want to pray for you ladies this morning. Amen? So if you just stand up. All right, I'm going to, I'm going to join. Teresa, come over here. Let's join these four ladies right here. Robbie, lay hands on Daya, because she's a woman of God. Come on, June, Judy, you want to come over? Just join. Marty, Angel, lay hands on some of our ladies. Father God, we just come this morning. Lord, we are a blessed congregation. Thank you for these women of virtue, these women of God that you have sent our way, Lord. Lord, I want to personally thank you for the woman that you brought into my life, Lord. And God, I just pray that you will continue to bless them, give them godly wisdom, that you have placed in them, my God, to be a helpmate to their husbands, an overseer to their family, Lord. And we just pray for them today, again, Lord, that they would walk circumspectly before you, that Holy Spirit, you'd work in them and through them for the care of their home. When they're on the jobs, if they're in employment, Lord God, that they be godly examples there of what a woman of God should be, Lord. Father, bless them. Bless them abundantly, we pray. Pour out your Spirit upon them and give them the desires of their hearts for children and grandchildren, Lord. And my God, we just thank you again as the men of this church for the wonderful women you have placed here to lead ministries, Lord, to be involved in ministries, my God, to train up other women, to raise, help raise our children in the things of you, Lord God, in the word. So Father, again, we just pray an extra special blessing on them today. And Lord, as they go out with family today to dinners or different ways, bless their time with families, Lord God. And we just give you all the glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 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 Let's just give them a round. Amen. Thank you, ladies.